Welcome to this reading of the Business Record, Central Iowa's Business Weekly. I'm Pat Steele. All material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. And here is our first story. Iowa Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Program awards more than $1.6 million in grants. The Iowa Renewable Fuels Industry Infrastructure Program Board approved 35 project applications totaling more than $1.6 million during its quarterly board meeting on July 20th. Seven of the projects are for ethanol infrastructure, one is for a biodiesel terminal, and 27 are for biodiesel infrastructure. The RFIP helps fuel retailers provide higher blends of Iowa-grown biofuels that are lower cost to consumers by incentivizing the installation, replacement, and conversion of ethanol and biodiesel dispensing and storage infrastructure. Incentives to upgrade biodiesel terminals and storage facilities also are available. Mike Nag, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, said in a news release, when consumers can access higher blends of ethanol and biodiesel for their vehicle, they save money. As more retailers upgrade their infrastructure, Iowa drivers will continually find more options to help them save money through the use of cleaner burning and more affordable homegrown biofuels. And for the complete list of locations receiving one or more of the project grants, you can uh, contact the Iowa or connect with the Iowa Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Program Board website. Norwalk launches Metro's first municipal informative podcast. The city of Norwalk has started the metro area's first informative city podcast, Know Your City, which features Norwalk City Manager Luke Nelson. The podcast series aims to keep Norwalk citizens informed about hot topic issues within the city. The topics will range from discussions on city leadership and the importance of each department to city budget information, tax questions and concerns, and new business developments. The podcast provides an introduction to the series in the first episode before diving into Norwalk's Capital Improvement Plan basics in the second episode. The third episode reviews details about the new Norwalk Central Development, and in the fourth episode, Lindsay Offenberger, Norwalk's city clerk, joins Nelson in a discussion about the boards and commissions in Norwalk and the process for citizens to follow if interested in serving on one. Luxury golf community is planned in Johnston. Denton Homes and Carmel Development are acquiring 30 acres from Hyperion Field Club, on which an executive residential golf community is planned. The wooded area is north of Northwest Beaver Drive in Johnston and is described as one of the last locations in the community for building a custom home. Denton Homes and Carmel Developments are owned by Scott and Stephanie Denton, who have been building luxury custom homes in central Iowa for over 18 years. Recently completed developments in Urbandale include Carmel and Carmel Park. The land is exactly what we look for when deciding on whether we'll develop as it's fully encapsulated by nature, Stephanie Denton said in a prepared statement. It's been a long couple years of navigating discussions with all parties involved, but we are thrilled to officially get the ball rolling. Carmen uh, Carmel Hyperion will be located directly across from the entrance to Hyperion Field Club on the east side of its driving range at 7390 Northwest Beaver Drive. 27 lots will be available. Online public charter schools expands to Iowa. 
Optim Optima Academy Online, which bills itself as the world's first virtual reality public charter school, has announced its expansion to Iowa. The school leverages virtual reality technology so students can experience locations around the world. The virtual reality curriculum is designed to complement traditional classroom instruction or serve as a full-time or part-time educational option, this according to a news release. Optima Academy Online goes beyond traditional classroom boundaries, offering students a truly unique and interactive learning experience, and that's a statement from founder and CEO Erica Donalds. By bringing virtual reality curriculum to Iowa, we at Optima aim to inspire a generation of young learners to explore the world around them and develop a genuine passion for knowledge. New Event Spotlight, Junior Achievement of Central Iowa, hosts the first girls' entrepreneurship workshop. This is a story written by Sarah Dean of the Business Record. The News Event Spotlight is a feature of the Business Record and will use to share about new events and initiatives that aim to address issues affecting the business community. So the statement goes with what happened. On July 11th, Junior Achievement of Central Iowa hosted the first Junior Achievement Entrepreneurial Workshop, a one-day event where 25 high school girls engaged with women entrepreneurs and leaders to gain exposure to entrepreneurship and career pathways. Why hold the event? Shannon Gerard, Junior Achievements Director of Education, told the business record in an email, We launched this event in an effort to encourage an entrepreneurial mindset in high school girls. We hope the event empowers these girls to create a bright future no matter what industry they decide to pursue. A big goal of ours was to highlight all the strong women leaders we have in our community. How does it affect the business community? The Junior Achievement Entrepreneurial Workshop addresses the misconception that college is the only option after high school, Gerard said. We wanted the girls to know that there are many opportunities out there to be successful, whether that is a four-year degree, certifications, or starting your own business. Junior Achievement as a whole helps to build the talent pipeline by providing students and schools curriculum centered around financial literacy, workforce readiness, and an entrepreneurial mindset. And who attended? The women entrepreneurs and leaders who attended and spoke at the event included Melissa Ness, Diana Wright, Chelsea Smith, Claire Williams, Sidney Rykoff, Nancy Morawski, and Laura Palmer. And what's next? Gerard said Junior Achievement plans to scale the event next year to include more participants and more women leaders. Again, that article written by Sarah Dean, and she's a staff writer at the Business Record and covers innovation, technology, human resources, and education. And now we'll take a look at uh, real estate news, and our lead article here is Mercy Clinics Acquire Property Next to Southbridge Mall. That's a story written by Kathy Bolton of the Business Record. Mercy Clinics Incorporated has purchased three parcels adjacent to Southridge Mall, according to Polk County Real Estate Records. Two of the parcels are undeveloped. The third at 1101 East Army Post Road includes an 88,896-square-foot, uh, 8, one-story retail building. One undeveloped lot is just east of 1101 East Army Post property, and the other is to the south. Mercy Clinics Incorporated paid Meckerich Southridge Mall 
the mall's owner, just over $1 million for the three parcels. The properties have a combined value of $714,000. The transaction was recorded on July 20th. In other transactions, Sharon Dinshaw paid the John S. Zeezer Trust $1.9 million for property at 3721 Turnberry Drive in West Des Moines. The property includes a two-story, 4,855-square-foot house that was built in 2000. Esource LLC, located at Windsor Heights, paid Merchant Service Company, Incorporated $618,000 for property at 1001 Raccoon Street in Des Moines. The nearly one-acre parcel includes a 6,000-square-foot warehouse built in 1993. The property is valued at $439,000. Blackstone Group, Ankeny, LLC, located in Springfield, Illinois, paid Herd White $707,520 for property at 4325 Southeast Delaware Avenue in Ankeny. The nearly one-acre track, which is undeveloped, is located south of Fleet Farms Convenience Store, and that transaction was recorded on the 18th of July. Herd Napa, managed by developer Richard Herd, paid Kutcher Holdings $1.2 million for property at 801 Southwest 63rd Street in Des Moines. The property includes a 5,000-square-foot, one-story building occupied by an auto parts store. The property is valued at $758,000. 315 East McKinley, located in Ankeny, paid McKinley Apartments $3.9 million for property at 311 and 315 East McKinley Avenue in Des Moines. The property includes two three-story buildings, each with 24 apartment units. The buildings were constructed in 1993, and the property is valued at $2.7 million. Chad Toyne paid Wan Yin 2020 Irrevocable Family Trust just over $2 million for property at 7500 Northwest 100 Street in Johnston. The 3.1-acre parcel includes a 4820-square-foot, one-story house built in 2008. The transaction was recorded on July 19th. The Casey Johnson and Deborah Johnson Trust Agreement of 2009 paid David and Constant Yavitz $1.15 million for property at 4413 Northeast 45th Court in Ankeny. The property includes 2,688-square-foot house built in 2018. The Bondurant Farrar Community School District paid JMT Trust $3.7 million for farmland in Bondurant. The land is generally east of Lincoln Street Northeast and north of 2nd Street Northeast. That transaction was recorded on July 20th. Nelson Development, located in Des Moines, paid Bricktown Piper $3 million for vacant land west of North Ankeny Boulevard and north of, Rhein of Northwest Reinhardt Drive in Ankeny. An assisted living community for older adults is planned on the tract, according to a spokesperson for Nelson Development. Construction is expected to begin the summer of 2024. 9940 Mills, 1031 uh, Rev, LLC, located in West Des Moines, paid Mark Thies and Sarah Thies $1.95 million for property at 9940 Mills Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. 
the 9.4-acre parcel includes a two-story house built in 2012. Boyson Properties, located in Adel, paid come-and-go $1.6 million for an undeveloped parcel at Northwest Douglas Parkway and Northwest 10th Street in Waukee. The 4.4-acre track is west of Waukee Triumph Park. HM Investments, located in Waukee, paid AP North $975,090 for undeveloped land located east of Grand Prairie Parkway and north of Southeast Esker Ridge Drive. The 2.4-acre track is adjacent to Holmes Murphy's Waukee campus. Trevor and Autumn Schmitz paid the Corey and Suzanne Minnick Revocable Trust $1.6 million for property at 700 Southeast South Fork Drive in Waukee. The 1.1-acre parcel includes a two-story house built in 1990. The transaction was recorded on July 19th. Michael and Jennifer Bath paid Dynasty Partners Homes just over $1 million for property at 11226 Twilight Drive in West Des Moines. The property includes a recently built ranch-style house. uh, Brett and Brenda Harris paid Jason and Wendy Fielder $1.69 million for property at 3820 Eagle Drive in Waukee. The property includes a 3,330-square-foot house built in 2011. The transaction was recorded on July 20th. And finally, from uh, Real Estate News, Michael and Janet Miniar paid Dynasty Partner Homes $1.1 million for property at 11260 Twilight Drive in West Des Moines. The property includes a 2,301-square-foot house where construction was recently completed, and that transaction was recorded on July 20th. And again, this real estate article is written by Kathy Bolton of The Business Record. She's a senior staff writer there and covers real estate and development, law, and government, and retail. Another article written by Kathy Bolton of The Business Record, a mixed-use project proposed over five years ago in Des Moines East Village District, is moving forward but with some modifications. Plans for the proposed five-story retail office and residential building at 418 East Grand Avenue became public in 2018. Design plans for the 97,000 square foot structure were reviewed by Des Moines Urban Design Review Board in July 2019. The pandemic, rising prices for materials, and an uncertain economic climate stalled the project. Now Nelson Construction Development is preparing to move forward with the project A building permit valued at $18.3 million was issued for the project earlier this year. Construction is expected to begin in early 2024 at the latest, said Alexander Gergrich, development analyst for the company. Gergrich said, we are committed to doing the project, and so we decided to move forward with purchasing the building permit and preparing to start construction. We've been navigating the market so that everything is lined up and we're ready to start by in the spring by the latest. Retail and other commercial uses are planned on the street level, Gurdjieff said. The second through fifth floors will be apartments. Originally, office space had been planned on the second floor. That space will now be residential. Originally, 105 apartment units were planned in the project, but now 132 are planned, Gurdjieff said. The project planned on a surface parking lot is one of two proposed in the East Village. 
Heart of America Group has proposed constructing a seven-story mixed-use project at East 6th and Des Moines Streets. The project is expected to include 186 residential units and about 7,000 square feet of street-level commercial space. A similar project by Heart of America is underway at 317 East 6th Street. The area is not becoming oversaturated with apartment units, Gergert said. There's an overwhelming demand for housing of all types in Greater Des Moines, especially in this East Village neighborhood. The East Village has the most uh, live, work, play, lifestyle opportunities in all of Iowa. It's extremely walkable and has a great mix of office and retail space. We don't have any concerns about there being too many residential units planned for the area, Gergert said. In July 2019, the project was valued at $27 million. Gergrich declined to provide its current price tag. However, he acknowledged inflation has caused the construction costs to rise. Financing costs have also increased, he said. Nelson Construction and Development has completed other projects in the area, including a mixed-use building at 300 East Grand Avenue and an office building at 430 East Grand. The company also built a parking garage north of the 418 East Grand Avenue property, and Gergrich said, we remain committed to our overall vision for that part of the East Village. Des Moines hosts the FFA alumni at New Century Farm Farmer Conference. A group of 43 Future Farmers of America alums between the ages of 18 and 24 and from 21 states across the country is getting a look inside the business operation of farming at the New Century Farmer Conference in Des Moines. The conference, which began on Sunday and runs through today, Thursday, is designed for two- and four-year college students interested in pursuing a career in production agriculture. The New Century Farmer Program provides a pathway for FFA alumni to advance their leadership, personal, and career skills, said Annie Ellis, who's the National FFA Alumni and Supporters Associate Director, and she made that statement in a news release. And She continued, the conference is a dedicated time for attendees to explore diverse farm operations with industry experts and learn what it takes to launch and maintain a successful career in agriculture. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture in 2021, agriculture and related industries made up over 10% of USA employment. Kemen Nutra Assurance opens its first pilot lab for wet pet food at the global headquarters. Kemen Industries, a global ingredient manufacturer, recently introduced the research exploration services of Kemen Nutra Assurance, the company's pet food and rendering technologies business unit, with Kemen's first ever wet pet food pilot lab at its global headquarters in Des Moines. A ribbon cutting on Thursday celebrated the opening of the new lab. The event showcased how Kemen Nutra Assurance Research and Exploration Services will enhance co-creation with customers and assist in replicating pet food formulas for both new and established products. The lab is a key feature of Kemen Nutra Insurance approach to research, development, and service, allowing the business unit and its customers to create, test, and validate pet food and treats to help better predict large-scale results. Wesley Life launches foundation to broaden its philanthropic impact. Wesley Life has announced the launch of a foundation designed to meet, quote, specialized and critical needs of an ever-growing population of older adults, unquote. 
Sophia S. Ahmad, Vice President of Philanthropy for Wesley Life, will lead the new Wesley Life Foundation. Rob Kretzinger, President and CEO of Wesley Life, said creating the nonprofit has long been a goal of the business. He said, with the foundation inception, our goal will be to address challenges regarding the aging process and perceptions related to it, including nutritional insecurity, isolation, affordable housing, workforce shortages, and other issues, Kretzinger said in a press relief, a press release. Wesley Life, based in Johnston, is the region's largest nonprofit provider of well-being services for older adults. The foundation is a 501c3 governed by a volunteer board of directors that provides strategic guidance for Wesley Life's philanthropic endeavors and anticipates and supports critical needs in the organization's communities and among its services. Ahmad said in a press release, the inauguration of the foundation will create countless opportunities to connect generous donors with opportunities to support components of our mission that resonate deeply with them. Wesley Life's Foundation Board of Directors is chaired by Travis Simpson, the regional president for Northwest Bank. Simpson is a longtime donor to and frequent volunteer for Wesley Life. He said in a prepared statement, It is an honor to chair this inaugural foundation board. We are grateful that many influential and community leaders and philanthropists who care deeply about our mission have enthusiastically agreed to serve and lead this nonprofit organization. The vice chair is Connie Isaacson, who is the founding partner of Isaacson Syverson Consulting. Other board members are Christine Coons, who is the director of the Coons Foundation, Nathaniel Doddridge, vice president of fuels for Casey General Stores, Scott Harrington, board chairman at Riley Resource Group, Catherine Kuhnert, vice president of economic connections and integration for Mid-American Energy, Christine Long, a state attorney with Brownwick Law Firm, Chad Rasmussen, chair of the Wesley Life Board of Directors and vice president of development at Christensen Development, and Lois Vermeer, retired executive director of the Vermeer Charitable Foundation. Kretzinger is serving on the board as well, as is Glenn Lewis, executive director of Edgewater, a Wesley Life community for healthy living. Elsewhere in this week's business record uh, report is that Iowa farmland prices are stable. The average price of Iowa farmland slipped 1.7% in the first six months of 2023, indicating stable conditions in the market, according to a report released by Iowa Appraisal. The statewide weighted average price for tillable farmland is $175 per corn suitability rating 2, which is sometimes called CSR2, according to the report. In December, the average price was $178 per CRS2. Between January 1st and June 30th, 2022, the statewide weighted average price per acre was $13,742. In 2023, it was $13,385. In the first six months of 2023, there were 326 auctions and 32,290 tillable acres were sold. Iowa Appraisal, in a news release, said it was describing Iowa farmland market conditions as stable for several reasons, including the fact that 80% of Iowa farmland carries no debt, inflation has not affected land values because of farmers' liquidity, 
and buyers with large amounts of cash are looking to purchase land. Moody's upgrades Waukee's issuer rating. The city of Waukee recently received an upgrade to AA1 from AA2 for its issuer rating in outstanding general obligation on limited tax bonds from Moody's Investor Service. Moody's also assigned an AA1 rating to Waukee's general obligation bonds, Series 2023B, with a proposed par amount of roughly $38 million as well as an initial AA2 rating to the city's Stormwater Revenue Bonds, Series 2023C, with a proposed par amount of roughly $3.4 million. In a recent statement, Moody's noted the upgrade to AA1 reflects Waukee's robust financial position and ample revenue-raising flexibility. Moody said it saw Waukee's mix of commercial and industrial industries, growing population, steady tax base growth, and ties to the Des Moines metropolitan area as indicators that the city's economy is likely to remain strong. In its rationale for the ratings increase, Moody said leverage is moderate but expected to grow given the city's rapid expansion and outstanding capital needs. Pi 515 selected for Microsoft TechSpark program. Pi 515 a nonprofit providing tech education and mentorship to underserved and refugee youth, announced it will be working with Microsoft TechSpark program, which launched five years ago to support nonprofits, create jobs, and help communities develop digital skills. Since its inception, TechSpark has helped eight communities secure more than $125 million in community funding, teach skills to 55,000 people, and create 3,300 jobs, according to a news release. In February, Microsoft announced it is expanding the program to all 50 states using a new TechSpark Fellows model. Pi 515 is one of the organizations to receive a grant to fund a TechSpark Community Employment Fellow who will spearhead local efforts to expand computer science education, inclusive digital skilling, digital access, and digital transformation. The TechSpark Fellow will be the first to work in Iowa, the release said. We are honored to collaborate with Microsoft TechSpark uh, to empower more students and prepare them for the future of work. In a world characterized by constant changes in the job market, this opportunity allows us to leverage resources and expertise to scale our programs effectively. Our vision is to expand our reach to rural Iowa, addressing the skills gap and rising unemployment rates in the region. And that statement comes from Nancy Marwalski, Pi 515 founder and executive director, and that was in a prepared statement that she issued. And you're listening to this week's edition of the Business Record, uh, week of July 28th. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record to Iris so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, please give us a call at 243-6833. And now back to the business record. How will the end of the Black Sea trade deal affect Iowa? U.S. and Iowa producers may see a bump in export demand and subsequently higher prices for their crops following the disintegration of the Black Sea trade deal that allowed grain to be shipped out of Ukraine while that country's war with Russia continues. That's what the business record learned after reaching out to Iowa State University agricultural economist Chad Hart. 
As with many things we report, the question arose from a conversation during one of our morning newsroom team meetings. We decided to ask Hart what effects what effect the deal's demise would have on Iowa and across the country. And here's what the business record learned. The end of the Black Sea trade deal will affect not only wheat, although that is one of the most affected crops, it will also affect corn and oil seeds, mainly sunflower, but also some soybeans. As a result, export sales for those products will see a little bit of a bump. Producers in both North and South America will be pressured to increase production to meet the growing demand as buyers of grain from the Black Sea, predominantly low-income countries that rely on Ukrainian grain, look elsewhere to meet their needs. The effect on prices should be positive for U.S. producers, but increases likely will be smaller than experienced in the early months of the war. There will also be increased uncertainty about global supplies. The trade deal ended after Russia let it expire recently as the war between the two countries continues. There are concerns that the end of the deal will increase food insecurity and hunger in low-income countries, primarily in Africa. Des Moines to host 2025 National Senior Games. The National Senior Games Association announced the National Senior Games will take place in Des Moines in 2025. The National Seniors Games is the largest multi-sport championship event in the world for adults 50 and over, typically drawing more than 10,000 qualified athletes from every state and beyond to compete in more than 20 sports. CEO, uh, I'm sorry, Catch Des Moines President CEO Greg Edwards said in a news release, We are honored to be able to host a world-class event that will bring thousands of inspiring athletes to Des Moines. The National Seniors Game Association promotes the benefits of competitive sports, physical fitness, and active aging to adults 50 years and older. The association sanctions qualifying games through 53 member organizations across the United States and Canada during even-numbered years and produces the National Seniors Games on odd-numbered years. The Iowa Economic Development Authority awards tax credits to Illinois company that is moving to Iowa. State approves awards for the projects that will create 234 jobs and four startups. This is a story written by Michael Crum of the Business Record. An Illinois company will move to Iowa with the help of tax incentives approved by the Iowa Economic Development Authority. Rilo Company Incorporated, or Rico Incorporated, is a large lubricant distributor and service provider that has developed brands of lubricants, antifreeze, and greases under the TechGuard and TechCool labels. They are distributed to industrial, agricultural, construction, and retail customers primarily in Iowa and Illinois. According to the announcement, the company plans to move its corporate headquarters from Moline, Illinois to Eldridge, Iowa. The project will include a 58,000-square-foot expansion to a building and improvements to the warehouse and office space, new machinery, equipment, infrastructure, and furniture. The Iowa Economic Development Authority documents how the company was awarded $135,000 in tax credits and refunds. The award is contingent on the city of Eldridge approving matching funds. The city is also planning a 10-year tax increment finance package for an amount to be determined. The project will create 81 jobs, 31 of which will pay a qualifying wage of $27.56 per hour. RICO currently operates in four additional Illinois communities and in Pella.
In other awards announced by the Iowa Economic Development Authority, more than $1 million in dollars in tax credits and refunds was awarded to A to Z Drying Incorporated in Osage, where it has been operating for 50 years. The company provides custom spray drying, blending, packaging, and warehouse services. As part of its project, the company plans to expand its facility to install a new high-capacity spray dryer to support customer growth. The 23 $0.25 million project will create 16 jobs, nine of which will pay a qualifying wage of $24.91 per hour. Tax credits and refunds totaling $800,000 were awarded to MHEB Incorporated in Story City. The company makes livestock trailers and semi-trailers. MHEB plans to expand its current facility by 100,000 square feet to support the growth of its business. The project is estimated at $15.35 million, will create 128 jobs, 13 of which will pay a qualifying wage of $30.07 an hour. Mid-States Material and Handling Fabrications was awarded $85,000 in tax refunds for a 15,000-square-foot expansion of its corporate headquarters in Nevada and a 10,000-square-foot expansion of its manufacturing space to include expanding its grain material handling system. The $3.4 million project will add nine jobs, one of which will pay a qualifying wage of $29.47 per hour. Mid-states will also receive a $300,000 tax increment finance package from the city of Nevada. And uh, the I, uh, Iowa Economic Development Authority Board also approved boards to four startups on uh, last Friday. Ames-based Colty Incorporated was awarded a $50,000 proof of commercial relevance loan for project refinement. The company created a social network and mobile app that pairs prospective students with faculty and graduate programs using artificial intelligence. Janus Materials Incorporated, also based in Ames, was awarded a $100,000 demonstration fund loan for product refinement, personnel, and equipment. The company develops sustainable technology for the coating industry to improve the appearance and application of wood stains. Primary, Primary Assembly in Cedar Rapids was awarded a $50,000 proof of commercial relevance loan for key personnel. The company develops software that processes real-time brainwave data and turns it into music. The software is being tested by the neural therapy industry for integration into treatment of patients with post-traumatic stress disorder. Denison-based MOD Advisor Incorporated was awarded a $100,000 demonstration fund loan for intellectual property development and evaluation, proof-of-concept work, product refinement, personnel, and market planning. The company develops software that automates the process of performing workers' compensation analysis, making it more efficient. And finally, the GW Nutrition Incorporated, based in Slater, was awarded a $50,000 proof of commercial relevance loan for proof of concept work, product refinement, key personnel, equipment, and market planning activities. The company developed technology to improve the acceptance of food ingredients. It has a patent pending for technology that uses a proprietary light delivery system to reduce microbial contamination while moderating characteristics such as color, 
flavor, and odor of alternative proteins. And that's the story written by Michael Crum of the Business Record about the Iowa Economic Development Authority's awards program. Uh, Michael is a senior staff writer at the Business Record and covers economic development, transportation, energy, environment, culture, sales, and marketing. New blood pressure management program rolls out in Iowa. A pilot program to help people control high blood pressures coming to communities in Iowa. The American Heart Association, along with Wellmark, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield, announced the launch of Check Change Control, which allows participants to take control of their cardiovascular health by monitoring their blood pressure. The program, which will first launch in Stewart, West Des Moines, and Des Moines, provides participants with the knowledge and tools to improve their blood pressure numbers through increased physical activity, eating a balanced diet, and managing their mental well-being. Dr. Naim Manir, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Wellmark, said in a news release, Not only is high blood pressure hard to spot, if left untreated, it can lead to heart attack, stroke, and other serious health conditions. And because nearly half of all Americans have high blood pressure, there is significant need for education, awareness, and action. The American Heart Association will work with community health centers to identify Iowans who would benefit from the program. Community Care Center in Stewart, Exemplar Care in West Des Moines, and Primary Health Care in Des Moines will implement the program first up for uh, first for up to 250 participants. Five Iowa Credit Unions top ranked by Forbes. Five Iowa credit unions are on Forbes' new list of top-rated credit unions in the United States. They are in order, Community First Credit Union in Ottumwa, Accentra Credit Union in Bettendorf, Community Choice Credit Union in Johnston, Depaco Community Credit Union in Dubuque, and Viridian Credit Union in Waterloo. The rankings were based on consumer sentiment and included 147 credit unions across the United States. Forbes partnered with market research firm Statista to survey nearly 31,000 U.S. consumers about their opinions on current and former financial relationships. Banks and credit unions were rated on overall recommendations and satisfaction. Online reviews and ratings posted on Google Reviews between March 2020 in April 2023, were also evaluated for each bank and credit union. These reviews and ratings accounted for 20% of the scoring, while the surveys accounted for 80%, according to Forbes. July Rural Main Street Index report shows an expanding economy. Iowa's July Rural Main Street Index rose from 54.1 from 51.7 in June, and the state's farmland price index climbed to 63.1 from June's 55.6. Iowa's new hiring index for July also expanded to 57.9 from 52.4 in June. Its average adjusted, average adjusted private hourly wages also increased by 0.9% over the past 12 months, while average inflation-adjusted wages slumped by 1.3% during the same time period. The overall rural Main Street Index reading for the 10-state region slipped to 55.6 in July from June's 56.9. The index ranges from 0 to 100 with a reading of 50, representing growth neutral. July marked the fourth straight month that the index has expanded above the threshold. 
The region's farmland price index rose to 64.6 from 59.3 in June and 56.3 in May, marking the 34th straight month that the index has advanced above 50. Bankers reported that, on average, non-farm investors secured approximately 17.1% of farmland sales in their area over the past six months, which is almost double the 9.1% reported by bankers in April 2022 when the same questions were asked. To July, Farm Equipment Sales Index was 50, up from 48.3 in June. The July Loan Volume Index dropped to 75.9 from 79.2 in June. The Checking Deposit Index also fell to 32.7 from 37.5. In the Index for Certification of Deposit and Other Savings Instruments, it decreased to 71.2 from June 76.8. Among bank CEOs who were asked to comment on the Federal Reserve's current short-term interest rate policy, 92.5% indicated that the Fed should cease raising rates, with only 7.5% indicating that the Fed should continue to raise short-term interest rates. More than three-fourths of bankers expected that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's policy encouraging bank mergers and acquisition would damage community banks and farmers. Iowa Caregivers receives grants for programs supporting direct care workers. Iowa Caregivers receive grants from two funders to support the training and self-care programs for Iowa's direct care workers and family givers. uh, Delta Dental of Iowa Foundation awarded Iowa Caregivers $25,000 for 2023 and pledged an additional $25,000 in 2024. Intelligent awarded Iowa Caregivers $75,000 the funding from Delta Dental of Iowa Foundation will aid with the expansion of the Mouth Care Matters program into a curriculum of more community colleges and state programs. The Telogen Community Initiative Grant will help address healthcare workers' burnout by developing and implementing two pilot reservoir replenishing retreats for care workers to promote and provide self care programs and services for direct care workers. West Des Moines Chamber of Commerce announces its DEI Excellence Award. The West Des Moines Chamber of Commerce will host its third annual Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Workplace Excellence Awards from 4.30 to 8 p.m. on September 7th at the Community Choice Convention Center, which is located at 833 Fifth Avenue in Des Moines. Award recipients in 10 categories will be honored and have the chance to share the story and give hundreds of leaders in attendance a challenge to consider. And here are the award winners. DEI Student Leader of the Year is Anue Morales-Rodriguez of Valley High School. DEI Emerging Leader of the Year, Jackie Minso of Hoover High School Boys Soccer Program. DEI Leader of the Year, Kate Haishu Lambert of QCR Holdings Incorporated. Small Business Award winner, Knight Moves. DEI Ally of the Year, Adriana Toe of Waukee Community Schools Foundation. Large business of 250 employees or above goes to Bankers Trust. Nonprofit award winner is the Iowa Safe Schools. The education winner is Youth Justice Initiative. The medium business, and that's employer uh, companies with 50 to 249 employees, and that award for medium business went to Merchants Bonding Company. 
and Best Inclusion Initiative went to Spark DSM Minority Business Incubator. That's also with the Greater Des Moines uh, Partnership. Kara Matheson, Vice President of Workforce Development and Culture for the Chamber, said in a news release, it's inspiring to read through the applications submitted from organizations and leaders across the state. It's so encouraging to see people and teams working harder than ever to further the positive impact of this work. And for more information, tickets to the event, you can check the West Des Moines Chamber of Commerce website. And now we read a uh, column written by David Elbert called The Elbert Files. And the headline this week is The Iowa Economy Concerns. And again, this is written by David Elbert of the Business Record. Iowa's economy appears to have stalled and may be sliding backwards. Seven of the eight economic factors that make up the Iowa Department of Revenue's Iowa Leading Indicators Index were below par in the most recent report covering May. That has not happened since the spring and summer of 2020 when the COVID pandemic was taking hold. And while the indicators began improving in late 2020, the overall trend has been down since last summer. The latest decreases involve three key segments of the Iowa economy, manufacturing, agriculture, and insurance. The only significant gain this year involves construction, where employment is as strong or stronger than any time since the months preceding the Great Recession of 2008-2009. Employment numbers show more than 84,000 Iowans working in construction during May. That's 4,000 more than a year earlier and 6,000 more than the pre-pandemic year of 2019. Iowa construction employment typically surges when there is increased home building. While there was a small uptick this year in residential construction permits, the 994 permits issued in May was well below the record high of 1,414 set in January 2006. A fair question is, if this year's construction surge is not tied to home building, what is driving it? The obvious answer is increased federal spending. Since 2020, the federal government has pushed a total of $4.5 trillion into U.S. economy, with nearly $17 billion sent to Iowa. That $17 billion is twice the size of the current state government budget. A good chunk of the federal money came early in the early COVID years in the form of tax refunds for individuals and grants for small businesses. But the money has continued to flow, and many recent allotments have focused on repairing and building new infrastructure. Federal dollars are helping rebuild the Des Moines International Airport, as well as sewer and road projects throughout Des Moines and the rest of the state. Soon, federal dollars will bring broadband communication services to digitally starved parts of rural Iowa. I have not seen a total fall of federal infrastructure spending in Iowa, but it has to be well into the billions of dollars. Looking more broadly at Iowa's economy, a potentially troubling indicator is one that measures new factory orders as reported by purchasing managers. The new orders index average for the 12 months ending in May was 52.1, and that's down from 67.0 a year earlier. Pre-COVID, the index was mostly in a range between the low 50s and high 60s. The current decline has not yet affected manufacturing employment, which remains mostly steady at about 227,000 jobs. The steady employment number suggests that if the new orders index does not go lower, there may not be much obvious fallout. Iowa's farm economy also shows signs of weakness. 
corn, soybean, and hog prices are all down from 2022, which was an exceptionally good year for those commodities. It's worth noting that any concern about the farm economy should include a caveat that when market prices get too low, federal farm payments typically step in and make up some of the slack. There is no leading indicator that directly tracks the insurance industry, another key piece of Iowa's economy, especially in Des Moines. But there is a related measurement that tracks the differences between long and short-term treasury bonds, which is closely watched for insurers. A positive bond yield spread, where long bonds pay 2 to 3 percentage points more than short bonds, is considered good because it gives investors, including insurance companies, the confidence to invest longer term. A spread of less than one point is not good, and a negative spread is worse because it creates uncertainty and discourages businesses from long-term planning and growth. The average spread in May was a negative 1.7.4 points, which is the worst for any month since the Iowa Department of Revenue began collecting data for the Iowa Leading Indicator Index in 1999. Even worse, the yield spread has been negative for seven consecutive months, only the second time that has happened in 24 years. And again, that's a column written by David Elbert of the uh, business record, and it's entitled Elbert Files. And here's another column. This is written uh, collectively by the business record staff and entitled is What They're Checking Out the Week of July 21st. As an ongoing feature, staff members of the Des Moines Public Library will recommend a business-related book to add to your reading list. Find this and more books like it at any of the Des Moines Public Library's six locations and online. And find information on how to get a free copy at the Des Moines Library website. The Des Moines Public Library business book is The Minimalist Entrepreneur, and that's a book by Sahil Lavingia. Uh, this 2021 book by Lavingia founder of Gumroad and an angel investor, works as a guide for building a startup company without millions of dollars of venture capital at the beginning. New technologies, remote work, and more are giving entrepreneurs more opportunities to launch a sustainable, profitable company from anywhere, and Lavingia helps deliver a roadmap for founders. And elsewhere from the July 27th business record, Casey's reaches milestone in number of meals has helped donate. Casey's General Stores has helped provide 30 million meals to people struggling with hunger through the Ankeny-based company's partnership with Feeding America, the country's largest hunger relief organization. Since 2020, Casey's customers have been invited to participate in Casey's annual Roundup at the Register campaign supporting Feeding America. For each dollar donated, 10 meals are distributed to families across the heartland through the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks. The partnership between Casey's and Feeding America recently marked 30 million meals made possible through the effort. In addition, Casey's recently donated $100,000 to the Food Bank of Iowa to help the nonprofit expand its distribution center. And also from the business record, a, a column they call On the Move, and it just uh, gives information about people who have either moved up within a company or moved over to a, another company. So we'll review some of those for this week of July 27th. Maria Norsosi has been promoted at FNG to SVP, Chief People Officer. Also at FNG, Susan Brendo has been promoted to AVP, Strategic Sourcing and Vendor Management. 
again at FG F and G, Chris Keene has been hired as an actuarial integration and modernization. Uh, Brendan Brandon Underwood uh, is recognized as a 2022 North Star lawyer. Uh, also at Fredrickson, Zachary S. Pratt recognized as a 2022 North Star lawyer. Uh, as the same award goes to Thomas Patton. Uh, at Best Buddies, Blake Campbell has been promoted to Senior Director of Leadership. Dan Sherman at East Village Physical Therapy has been promoted to Manager and Physical Therapist. At East Village Physical Therapy as well, uh, Dan Hafman has been hired as a Physical Therapist. At Story Construction, Logan Bergerman has been hired as Superintendent. At Story Construction, Dean McCormick has been promoted to Senior Project Manager. Uh, another move at uh, Story Construction, Shane Geiselhart has been promoted to Senior Project Manager. And also at Story Construction, Troy Turner has been promoted to Senior Project Manager. At Iowa PBS, Brian Zitlaw has been hired as the Director of Engineering. Um, Let's see, take a look at some of the others as I scroll down here. Uh, one more at uh, F&G. Brian Lapillo has been hired as a National Accounts Manager in Brokerage Distribution. And our final story for this week's business record, Polk County Housing Trust Fund raises record amount for investment program. Over $710,000 has been raised for Polk County Housing Trust Fund Stable, Steady, Strong Investment Campaign, a new high for the annual fundraising effort that ends each June, the group announced. Money raised pays for services to help people find and keep stable housing in Polk County. Contributions to this program provide needed flexibility to invest where the need is greatest and help fill gaps in local services, and that statement came from Toby O'Brien, the group's executive director. The Stable, Steady, Strong campaign is funded by individuals, businesses, and foundations, including Principal Foundation, with a $250,000 investment. This investment will continue to give residents of Polk County the resources to access essential needs such as affordable, stable housing. By helping to remove barriers, Polk County Housing Trust Fund is empowering people in the community so they can build a better financial future, said Joel Christine Miles, Director of Principal Foundation and Community Relations, said in a prepared statement. Money from Stable, Steady, Strong is provided through grants to local nonprofits, providing programs and supportive services that focus on housing stability, affordability, justice, and accessibility. And that's our final story this week from the Business Record. You've been listening to the Business Record on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicap. I'm Pat Steele, and thank you for sharing your time with IRIS. IRIS.